0: This is Pragmatic, a weekly discussion show contemplating the practical application of technology. Exploring the real-world trade-offs, we look at how great ideas are transformed into products and services that can change our lives. Nothing is as simple as it seems. I'm Ben Alexander, and my co-host is John Gigi. How you doing, John?
1: I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Ben?
0: Doing great. Awesome. It's, um, no, it's still a pitch blackout. A <laughs> couple more weeks, and we'll start to have it at this time.
1: Oh. rumor rumor has it that most of the vortex has moved on though the polar vortex yeah, it sounds very spooky it's uh a bit creepy even, but, but yeah, it is a real um, thing I,
0: I, there was there was I'll a show. lot of static that that oh this is just the news media making stuff up, but no oh, it's a it's a thing
1: it was really cold. yeah, well, I saw the photo that you posted it was uh yeah, it definitely looked rather chilly there and um yeah, I, I guess I was complaining about it being ridiculous temperatures here, like it's in really hot, and uh, yeah, I guess you had the other end of the spectrum. There, someone, so. someone put up a great uh, image,
0: I tweeted it, it was just a, it was a picture of the Earth and the entire northern hemisphere is just this snowball, and the southern hemisphere is just <laughs> flaming lava, <Yep. laughs> that, was,
1: that was this last week. So. Sums it up nicely. Okay, well... I just want to start as I usually do uh, with uh, a bunch of thank yous. Um, The list is getting uh, longer, so uh, I'll do my best just to quickly uh, uh, fly through these. So, these are firstly Twitter shout outs. Thanks to uh, The Typist on Twitter. Uh, Again, uh, I think they prefer anonymity, and that's fine. Uh, Also, thanks to Stephen Villaverde, or Villaverde, I'm not sure which way it's pronounced. Uh, Vic Hudson. Uh, Mikulis Mikoul- uh, and Andreas Eke- Ekegren uh, Zach Su- Su- I'm sorry, I have no idea how to pronounce your last name, Zach um, S-Z-E-W-C-Z-Y-K uh, Peter Evans Beta Kamal Ben Curtin Andrew Cameron Rowan Pope uh, Nathan Alpay and also a special thanks to Seth Clifford, who um, I've been following his uh, podcast to uh, iterate, called Iterate, which is on uh, uh, the uh, part of the um, Mobile Nations and I more stuff with Rene Ritchie, and I, I listen to that regularly. So it's uh, a little bit of a, a buzz to um, to get a thanks from from Seth. So thank you for that. Sorry if I've missed anyone it's just it's been a full on full on this week and I've been in the midst of changing jobs and um, I hope I didn't miss anybody so thank you for all uh, all those shout outs I really do appreciate it and there was also one extra special thanks to uh, Maxim Harper uh, he calls himself a uh, cynical technology connoisseur on his website which I found kind of kind of cool and he wrote a very nice review for us in the UK iTunes store. It was very complimentary. So, again, thank you very much for that review. Uh, much appreciated. So we also are going to be putting up a poll. And this poll will be relatively pain, painful. Oh, my goodness. I said <laughs> painful. Oh, no. It's going to be about painless. seven pages long. Um, painless, and if you screw no. up at all, you're going to have to start over. Okay. Painless. That's the opposite of what I. Oh God! I knew my foot went into that, didn't it? Okay. Anyhow, um, a couple of questions about the units that you prefer to hear things in: uh, metric, imperial, or metric and imperial. It's a bit, of a bit of an odd question, I know, but still had a couple of queries from from listeners, and I, I'd just like to sort of get a definitive answer from. Uh, from the listeners to see what if they really if, if it 's an issue for them or not, and uh, more importantly also is uh, we 're considering adding live as an, as a feature on this show. however, because of my situation and Ben's situation, uh, we have pretty strict recording hours that we can actually do the show and we can record it and I guess what we 'd like to do is see if there 's any interest in doing a live show, in, in making this a live show as well as uh, an edited version, rather like some of the other networks are doing. And uh, I'd like to just get feedback on that and see how much interest, if there is any, uh, for us doing that. So Yeah. And, I mean, we're really just looking for...
0: If if it's some... You know, we're going to put the time up that we're thinking about, and if that's, if that's going to work for you guys, technically, I don't think we're... You know, we're not worried about the capability of doing it, but... Uh, yeah. Te- just,
1: technically, it's not an issue, yeah.
0: Right. We just want to make sure that... uh that is something that people, you know, actually want and would be would be willing to uh, take a little bit of time to do. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. So obviously, if a few people come back and say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, we we, we would like it," but then, you know, we have a lot of responses saying, "Oh, look, we don't, we're not really interested in live." Then, then that's fine. And I just want to get a, see if we can get a handle on that before we go down that path or not. So uh, you'll see a link to that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, feel free, please, to uh, fill that in. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll assess and uh, feedback the results next episode all right so topic for today Ben what do we got what do we got what do we got okay this is um it's going to sound strange but I want to talk about noise and when I say noise I guess I, I don't mean noise in the sense of noise in the background of my microphone necessarily or uh, or anything else or noise like uh, the uh, the kids screaming, uh, which thankfully it 's uh, it 's their bedtime, so they 're all asleep, which is good um, but no, I want to talk about noise because noise is a big problem. a lot of people tend to overlook it, a lot of people tend to just like shrug it off like it 's no big deal and or it 's an irritant, and one of the things in in my line of work is that you get exposed to a lot of workplace health and safety or occupational health and safety whereby they do a lot of education over good and bad practices by ta- taking care of your hearing because you only get one set of ears and yeah, you know, once, they're, once they're wrecked you're kind of out of luck so it's something that people need to take care of and when I've done work over the last uh, well, what seems like a long time I've worked in different sorts of places, like sawmills, for example, bottling lines, brickworks, wastewater treatment plants. I've listed some of these before, but the bottom line is that you walk in the door of these places, and on the fence, usually they have the sign of someone's head with a bunch of head uh, earmuff protectors on there, and it says, "Hearing protection must be worn at all times." And it's the sort of thing that you don't see as much in an office environment, but there are still issues with vehicles and where you live and, and the music that we listen to that, frankly, the signs should be everywhere, really. I mean, they're not, But and people, a lot of people just don't think about it. So I guess I wanted to talk about that and what I've learned and what I think, pe- how, what I think people should be aware of. And so to start off, I just want to say from the outset, look, I hated biology. All right. I sucked at biology. So I'm not going to go and talk about, um, the, the cochlear or the inner ear drum bones or things because I, I really don't honestly care that much. I (laughs) feel free to look it up if you'd like. Um, but all I will say is that it's all very delicate. So, you know, let's not wreck it, shall we? So, the biological content of this episode will be very low. Feel free to look it up if you love biology. I'm sorry, I'm not one of those people. So, what is sound? Real quick, just a real, you know, high school refresher, real fast. So, sound is a, essentially is a pressure wave that travels through a medium. Whatever that medium may be, doesn't it could be a solid, it could be a liquid, or it could be a, a gas. But it needs a medium to travel through. So you don't get sound in space because there's no nothing for it to travel through. So for the purposes of what we're talking about, though, I'm really interested in talking about sound conduction through air. So that's all we're really going to talk about today. At standard temperature and pressure, which is, you know, uh, mean sea level and I think it's 20, 20 degrees Celsius, something like that, STP, speed of sound has been measured about 343 metres per second, which is 1,125 feet per second, and that, if you prefer in measurements per hour, that's uh, 1,230 kilometers per hour or 767 um, miles per hour. So sounds quick, but it really isn't. Compare that with light. It's pretty slow, really. But in any case, the human ear can, we can... Our ears can recognize sound anywhere from as low as about 20 hertz up to 20 kilohertz. Obviously, varies based on the individual. But generally speaking, that's what we, that's what we come out with. Uh, obviously, as we get older, well, maybe not obviously, but as we do get older, unfortunately, the, the top frequencies tend to roll off. How much they roll off and how far down they roll down to varies, again, from individual to individual. And obviously, if you've had hearing, hearing damage as well, it will also affect it. So instantaneous sound pressure level is the deviation between the average pressure and the peak sound pressure to give an instant in time. But the actual sound pressure level, or what we refer what we'll just you know, loosely refer to refer to as loudness, well, that is actually the root mean square value of that instantaneous sound pressure level, and it's represented in bells. For whatever reason, someone decided bells sucked, and it would be easier to represent things in decibels or tens of bells. Um, you know, say so everything's done in tens of bells or decibels or dbs. That's what we call them dbs. So uh, going to do a little more high school math there it 's a logarithmic scale um, but i don 't want to go into explaining that, but just you know suffice to say it 's not linear and as you increase in value the numbers the this actual space on the, on a scale is compressed as you as you increase in value so it 's a compressed scale as you go up the scale and it 's amazing how many things in nature are logarithmic but anyway so Sound pressure through the air is most commonly relating to the human ear, so how we hear something. So it's not about the raw sound pressure. It's usually weighted. So what we do is we look at the frequency spectrum between 20 hertz and 20 kilohertz, and they developed a curve that they call the uh, the A-weighting curve, as in the letter A, A-weighting curve. So the A-weighting curve is specifically designed to fit the human ear insofar as it accentuates the frequencies between three kilohertz and six kilohertz and everything outside of that region uh, essentially rolls off because that's outside of the most sensitive area of human hearing and just as, an, as a side note if you would talk previously about things like vocoders and so on in in mobile communications, but they also focus on those frequencies so specifically in that region because what they want to do is they want to encode the areas of our speech, the, the frequencies of our speech that carry the majority of the data or content that our, that the ear hears. So that A rating, they attach to the end of the the terminology. So they call it DBA. So you'll see DBA written on all sorts of different audio devices or, sorry, things that create noise, like, for example, the back of your um, Brass, grass cutter, edge trimmer, snipper, you know, brush cutter, whatever you want to call it, it'll have a, a sticker on the back. For example, the sticker on the back of mine, I think, is 87 DBA. And uh, lots of different things. Chainsaws, again, they'll have them as well. So anything with an engine will have a DBA rating. And, in fact, lots of things that aren't engines will have DBA ratings. So the DBA rating is essentially how much noise and sound pressure it's making and it's adjusted uh, to compensate for human hearing. So why does that matter? Well, the problem is that the human ear is fragile and you can damage it if it's too loud. And you get two kinds of damage. You'll get instantaneous damage and you'll get uh, long-term continuous damage. So, the problem is that you need to protect your hearing from both of those eventualities the one that 's most commonly ignored is the long term high sound pressure levels so we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute audio or oh, sorry, sound pressure waves travel as an expanding wavefront, so they have a, usually they have a point or close enough to a point source like a speaker or you know, if it's an explosion, for example, whatever this is causing the sound, it has a single point that it radiates from, and so therefore, it, because it's an expanding sphere of of sound pressure, the pressure will drop inverse to the square of the distance from the source, which is you know, the so-called inverse square law. Right. Um, feel free to look that one up. Bottom line is that the further away you go, it gets significantly less pressure and less volume but because it's a logarithmic scale and because our hearing is designed to to compress such that it can essentially soften the loud and tweak up the soft so that we hear the softer the fainter noises so hearing is designed to do that which is really cool actually when you think about it so you know, we, we tend to still hear it a long way away, despite the fact that the sound pressure is significantly less if you were to measure it. So that's the inverse square law. So distance is a big deal. And another interesting effect is the effect of temperature and specifically ground, surface ground temperature. A lot of people uh, have said you know, for years, oh, yeah, you know, sound travels further at night and it does it does i actually have measured that it, there's two things that cause that the temperature of the ground hence the density of the ground and the reflections or the it's not really a reflection it's more of a guiding and of the sound pressure waves at night time because of the colder air above the ground will actually increase the distance that the sound will travel and that's a rather interesting effect the other one interesting effect is that at nighttime, things tend to be quieter because less is happening. And when you we know, say so there's less traffic, there's less people, Yeah, there's just less of everything. All the birds go to sleep, or at least the ones that are sensible do. And, yeah, well, anyway, I'm not, I'm not having a go at owls or anything. But, anyway, so, <sighs> anyhow, back on track. Owls so, are pretty quiet. They are? Yeah. Well, I we, had, well, we had a,
0: a barn owl near our house growing up, and I guess that, he could be loud, but most of them just swoop in and, Just look at you funny
1: and turn their head upside down?
0: I was going to say they murder your your rodents, but...
1: Oh, really? Well, good. That sounds handy, doesn't it? Unless, of course, you're having one as a pet, in which case that would be less convenient, I would think. Sorry, Harry, if you're listening, which you're probably not. Anyhow, okay, so... uh, Too many in-jokes. So here we go. Gosh, I'm sorry. I need to find where I was. Okay, right. So, um, inter- noise interference. So, what will happen is noise of different frequencies from different directions will essentially cancel itself out if it's out of phase. So, you'll get noise cancellation. Uh, and if there's less uh, less noise coming in, then there'll be less noise cancellation. So, of a of night time, instead of hearing. A blended noise which you would hear during the day, you would hear just the specific noise. Like, for example, I hear where I live, I'm, I hear the freeway um, of a nighttime, but I don't hear it during the daytime because there's other noises around that's, that's canceling that out. The temperature is, is uh, warmer over the ground, therefore, you don't hear it, but of a nighttime, I do hear it. Anyhow, so that's a real effect that does also happen. So, just as an interesting side note, not not particularly Not going to hurt your hearing of a nighttime necessarily, but anyway. So there have been uh, a lot of studies. Well, maybe a lot. I think there have actually been a lot. I found a few, and there's a few links in the show notes. And they show that for listening to music with the difference between like ear canals and over-ear headphones as a noise source is not too much of a difference in terms of how much. In terms of how much sound pressure your eardrums will receive, it's more the raw sound pressure level that's being emitted by the headphones, irrespective of their type. So, the thing that I found fascinating, however, is that one study that I linked to in the show notes looked at iPods, and this is an older study back in 2006, I think it was, or 2005, And the headphones that Apple had before the earpods, I think, have been pretty well consistent during that time period. So the ones that we had up to a couple of years ago, those older style Apple earpods, not earpods, sorry, earbuds, those headphones were tested. And with different music players, of course, having different power outputs for the headphones, (coughs) they were suggesting that anything above 50% volume in your headphones is generally considered to something where you've got to have a time limit as to how long you listen to the music. So anything above 50% volume could potentially cause hearing damage over a long enough period of time. Obviously, the louder it is, the less time it takes to damage your hearing to the point at which if it was at 100% maximum volume, the listening time was down to five minutes. So you listen to that at full volume for five minutes, you are going to start damaging your hearing. Hmm. So so it's... Guess you know, what? Yeah, I know guess what, right? Yeah. So what 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 when I say damaging hearing, I'll talk about what I mean in a minute, but just a little bit more about that. There's been a few independent tests that have been done on the ear pods, and if you look at their response and power and what they generate in terms of sound pressure, they are simply not as loud compared to right. the earbuds that they replaced. And the reason for that is simple, is they've sacrificed containing the audio inside the ear for a bit of comfort, but they've also provided more, um, how should I put it, the frequency response is more tailored to a bass. So if you've listened to both using earpods and earbuds from Apple, as I have and I'm sure many of many of our listeners have, then the difference there is, is quite marked, is that the low frequency is far better on the earpods than it is uh, on the earbuds. And that bears out in the tests that I looked at and I've linked to in the show notes. However, as a result, they do not generate a sum total of as much sound pressure. So they're probably yeah, essentially what I'm saying is that they're softer than the yeah. old ear, ear, earbuds. Well, and I've, I've
0: noticed they actually, they sound better. They, they both sound louder and the bass level and, and well, the broad spectrum sound sounds better when they're very loosely in your ear, as opposed to trying to like really like cram them in there like they're, like they're in-ear headphones. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, they clearly put some work into that because when they are just very loosely in there, it's, it's not super loud, but you do have a, a really good sense of of the the base there, which is impressive for
1: for uh, how small they are. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm I've been quite impressed with them. And if my children hadn't have lost them, uh, I made the mistake of lending them to my kids once, and unfortunately, that was the last time I saw them. So someday I hope they'll show up again. Uh, never mind that; that's my problem. You know
0: what's crazy about those two? I know it's kind of an aside, but um, yeah, you know they they do maybe have an issue with um. Earwax buildup, right? Like they, they get a little oh, gross yeah. and they, they do seem to, I don't know if they've might have faded at all or if it is, you know, I'm not sure, but I, I, I was really frustrated with how loud they were one day. And, uh, if, so if, if you ever do feel like they are just simply too quiet for you to hear, if you swap the left and right side, like switch them around and put them in backwards, um, much louder, like dramatically louder, which is, it's just, it's really interesting how much clearly just the, that shape that they designed and, and the porting that they're doing, how, what a difference it actually seems to make as to exactly how it's positioned. It's clearly kind of beaming the sound in at a very, you know, very focused direction. So I guess the, yeah, well, the probably the more sensible thing is just if you're having trouble hearing with your ear pods, maybe move them around in your ear a little bit and. You know, find the find the exact right way to have them in there.
1: Yeah, and I refer back to what you just said previously, which was just before, which was let them sit loosely in your ear because I found that works much more nicely. Yeah. Uh, the design of the earpods in terms of comfort is significantly better uh, than the earbuds. There's no doubt. After I wore the earbuds for um, even as little as half an hour, I would find my my ears were sore. Yeah. Whereas the earpods you know, I could wear them for a few hours and, and not feel any discomfort. It you know, it's really, I seldom that I would use them for more than two hours at a time uh, with my commute, for example. However, you know, I never noticed that sort of, you know, what would you call it? It's like a, not an ache exactly, just, just a general soreness. Yeah. In my ears. So I don't have that. I didn't have that anymore with the ear pods. So. I think I've got pretty
0: small ear holes and
1: uh, <laughs> well, is I that mean, I don't that
0: is a technical term. Um, yes. So like having uh I purchased a pair of the like Apple's uh they have their in-ear ones too. Which are the canal ones. The canal ones, yeah, which are pretty expensive, but they were actually pretty decent too. Um and uh I always had on any of those kind of headphones I always had to use the very, very smallest ones to even get them in there without having it really have that sort of ache and some fun okay. stories about those <laughs> getting stuck in there though.
1: Oh, Not good. No, that isn't good. But um, in any case, uh, a little bit of an aside there, but what I was heading towards is there's an effect that people tend to do whereby you're wearing headphones, uh, in-ear headphones, irrespective of type, whether they're canal ones or they were sitting in the ear canal or, or whatever. Irrespective, you've got headphones on, but you don't have over-ear Headphones, if you know what I mean. And as a result, or earmuffs, I guess, as a result, your ears are still picking up external noise, like a reasonable amount of it. Right. So, some some there's a loud conversation, someone else comes in playing music loud uh, without headphones on, whatever the case may be, you know, loud traffic, I don't know. And you turn the volume up on yours to try and compensate. And that's where it all starts to go wrong because normally you'll listen at a volume level that's acceptable it's when external factors come into play that you then crank the volume and as soon as you start cranking that volume up to compensate for external sounds that's when you're that's usually when you're crossing that 50 60% mark that's usually when you're going to start doing damage and that's when you've got to take yourself out of that environment and go to a quieter environment if that's not possible then honestly, um, you should be looking at different headphones. So, and in that case, of course, noise cancelling headphones are your best option in that case. If you're in a really noisy environment, the answer is not to crank it, it's to get noise cancelling headphones. And I know they're expensive and I know they go over your ears, but believe me, it's a better option. So, in any case, um, so why I talk about damaging your hearing, okay? And the one, I've got one word for you, and that's tinnitus. Now, there's more than one way to damage your ear. I mean, apart from shoving a screwdriver in it. It's just tinnitus is the most common. And I'm going to put my hand up right now and say that I actually suffer from tinnitus. And that's one of the reasons I want to talk about this is because it's a subject that sort of hits uh, a bit close to home for me. Um, so I, my tinnitus that I have, okay, well, before I get into that. So what is it? Uh, there's actually two different kinds of tinnitus that's generally considered Uh, You've got objective tinnitus, which is essentially driven by a mixture of different causes like uh, muscle spasms uh, causing uh, clicking or crackling noises in your ear. A subset of that is um, pulsatile tinnitus, uh, which as the name might suggest, pulsatile is to do with the pulse, and that's caused by increased blood turbulence or blood pressure uh, in and around the eardrum. It can be indicative of hypertension. So if you have high blood pressure and you're not aware of it, that, that could be a giveaway that perhaps you need to see a doctor and just get yourself checked out. Having said that, that's not the focus of the tinnitus that I wanted to talk about because that's actually, as the name suggests, it's objective tinnitus, not subjective. Subjective tinnitus is essentially there all the time for a bunch of different reasons. So you've got um, conductive uh, sensor sensor, and neural and those essentially are the two causes I wanted to explore. There are a raft of other potential causes for tinnitus but I'm really just focusing on the ones that are more easily preventable through controlling the noise in your environment. So we'll stick with that just for this discussion. So I acknowledge yes that there is a whole bunch of other causes but I don't want to explore those at this point. Uh, so With uh, those causes in particular, physical damage to your eardrum or ear canal, the obvious one is physical damage due to object insertion. Oh, (laughs) insertion. What was that? They said, no, don't stick anything sharper than your elbow. Nothing smaller smaller than your elbow, elbow, right? Into your ear, right? Mm -hmm. And whilst I cannot imagine contorting my elbow to reach my ear, for one thing, um, yeah. Okay. We we Who hasn't put a finger in their ear at some point? At some point, you clean out the earwax in your ear somehow, and you have to be incredibly careful how you do that, because physically touching the eardrum will cause damage to it if you are not careful. So, you know, that's the obvious, obvious, obvious one. And also obvious one that's also easier to pre- easy to prevent is uh, ear infections, and most uh, ear infections that are not caused by a secondary illness, like for example it 's like a secondary sorry it is the secondary illness let's so say you have a a sinus infection and that travels to the inner ear well you know oh dear, you know I guess we 're lucky at the moment we live in a in a, in a world where we 've got lots of antibiotics and antibiotics can cure so many of our ailments for the moment before superbugs get out and scary stuff. And let's not go there because biology. Anyhow, bottom line is that ear infections, however, are most commonly caused by people going swimming and water getting lodged in the ear and that water not being removed. So people, a lot of people don't realize when there's water stuck in their ear. And I've done a lot of swimming and I guess this is something that in Australia, it's it's actually quite common for people to go swimming quite regularly. Most Australians know how to swim because we live really close to the coastline because you go too far inland and it gets a little bit less hospitable, shall we say. So when I was living in uh, Calgary for a few years, I became acutely aware of the fact that you know, it's inland. And you know, whilst it may be near a few lakes, a lot of people don't know how to swim and a lot of people don't actually go swimming.
0: And if you are swimming, you're and swimming in a chlorinated pool.
1: Oh, sure. But right. I mean, even chlorinated water can still give you an ear infection. So this is the problem is that you know, if you do go swimming, it's far less often. Like People, for example, right. you know, are far more likely to be into skiing or into ice skating, you know, that sort of thing, rather than swimming. And I was staggered by the number of people that just didn't know how to swim. And I imagine the same is true of most uh, states or places in the world where you don't live near large bodies of water. I mean, it just makes sense. So in any case, this may not apply to a lot of people. and This is why I'm saying this is that if you're someone that doesn't regularly swim, then you know, whatever, that's fine. Don't sweat it. But yeah, all you need to do is put uh, – they're usually uh, based on uh, our very low concentration of alcohol and you simply put a couple of drops in your ear and the water comes out and hey, presto, you're all good. Recognizing your water in your ear helps. And again, hey, why do I bring that one up? Well, quite simply, my daughter had an ear infection last week, literally, and she's just finished a course of antibiotics to uh, to clear that up. So if you leave that unresolved, that will also cause long-term hearing damage, as well as hurting like hell. So, you know, and affects your balance as well. So all that's all well and good, but that has nothing to do with noise. So, okay, just want to cover it. Let's move on. So it noise... Essentially, there's there's two kinds. There's the what what some people refer to as acoustic shock, or uh, impulse noise, or ongoing exposure to loud noise. And I, I touched on these briefly before. So, in a bit more detail now. So, physical damage to the eardrum caused by impulse noise. Well, what that means is that the ear, the ears, the nose, and the eyes are all connected through eustachian. <sighs> tubes, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, again biology, and those tubes equalize the pressure between them but they don't equalize it instantaneously for most people, they are not so when you go up and down in in an elevator in a really tall building or up and down a tall hill a big hill, or when you're in an aeroplane and you're climbing or descending now all those times, the pressure will equalise. If you usually, if you swallow and it creates a a, a brief uh, movement in the station tubes, and it allows that pressure to equalise from the inside to the outside of your head, so you don't get that discomfort in your ears and your eyes. And uh, a lot of people have this. Some people seem to have tubes that, re, that react relatively quickly, but you know, for me at least, and most people I know, that's not the case. So it, it kind of sucks, but that's just reality. So. When you get a large sound pressure wave hit your head, obviously not physically hit, arrive at your head, then the amount of pressure outside your eardrum is dramatically higher than that inside your eardrum. And that difference in pressure is going to cause, if there's a high enough sound pressure, will literally cause your eardrum to rupture. So if you're standing next to or nearby an explosion, assuming the pressure wave from the explosion doesn't kill you, um, chances are your hearing is going to be, your, your eardrums may be ruptured or you may suffer some form of hearing damage. Yeah, and that's why in, in, uh, in the movies, you'll see, at least these days anyway, maybe they're trying to make things more realistic these days than they were about 50 years ago, but the hero dusts himself up off after an explosion 50 years ago and says, oh, oh I'll just get the gun out and I'll chase the bad guy. Yeah, okay, no, you're going to stagger up. Your hearing is going to be ringing you're not going to be able to walk in a straight line. You know, it's, anyway, never mind. Point is, uh, that's really bad. <laughs> and that can have not just short-term, but obviously long-term consequences. So, mind you, if you're standing next to a bomb and you survive, maybe that's the least of your problems. So, hey, you know, you survived, right? Right. So, I'm going to have some ringing in my ears, but I'm alive. Anyhow, again not the focus of what we're, What I want to really focus on. What I really want to focus on is the long-term damage caused by an ongoing sound pressure. And, the, and, and just, just, just out of curiosity before I finish with the impulse noise, sound pressure levels ranging between 160 dB and 195 dB they've been quoted as being the level at which a rupture will happen. Obviously, it depends on the individual, depends on the interconnecting tubes in their head, the size of their eardrum, blah, 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 blah. It's individual, but on average, the numbers varied significantly. So I I, I looked around quite a bit on this, and I always thought it was just 160, but I found a couple of articles that said, no, it's actually as high as 195. Frankly, 200 dB, and you're supposed to be dead, so I tend to believe the 160 figure. But in, in any case... It's down to the individual, you know, as is usually the case, but in that sort of a range of sound pressure, and that's quite loud. So there is a link in the show notes that shows you uh, lots of the different levels and what they are, like 30 dB is a whisper and you know, 60 dB is a normal conversation, that sort of thing. So feel free to check that out as well, It'll give you an idea of just how loud 160 decibels is. It's louder than a fighter jet taking off, so that's loud. Okay. But ongoing exposure from some sources as low as 70 dB but probably more accepted figure 85 dB again depends on the individual if you're operating um the for example my uh the whipper snipper I, I use is uh, 80 87 uh, dba so definitely definitely that's going to cause hearing damage so if you have continuous exposure to that noise level over a certain period of time it will damage your ears and you'll begin to develop, uh, over a long period of time, the effects of tinnitus. And that's what happened to me. When I was a kid, I listened to a lot of loud music, <laughs> essentially. And uh, yeah, I, I would I would crank it up rather loud. And um, yeah, that was rather hand up, very stupid of me. Yes, thank you. There's no telling a teenager or anything, right? And I was one once. And yes, I also hear, heard the warnings from certain people. But it wasn't until I started in engineering that I started to take it seriously. Unfortunately, by then, the damage had been done. And as I started to develop uh, this this noise uh, in, the, in my hearing, at first I ignored it. But now I realize what it is. It's like, oh, great. Let's rewind the clock 20 years ago and I'll tell myself to turn the damn music down. Yeah, so, I did the
0: same thing. Um, yeah, I, my right ear is burned out pretty good from playing guitar and terrible bands. Uh and just the way I stood, the way I practice all the time, it would always be right up by you know. For a few
1: years, a half stack, and that'll do it. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, because yeah, you're in a band for quite a while, and that's that's um, that's intense, right? I'm surprised. It's surprised. Um, I haven't had any. Uh,
0: but um, yeah, it's definitely, I, I just do not hear as well out of that ear anymore. It's noticeable, right? It's. I mean, I, I yeah. wouldn't say it's bad. It's just, I, I can tell.
1: Well, and that's a that's a big problem for a lot of musicians. And honestly, uh, that, that's occupational noise, right? Right. I mean, the, the right answer would be, yeah, you should have been wearing hearing protection up on stage. But I think mean, the thing that I find is that there's this, this stigma to it. You know, it's like. It's not that loud, you know. What are you doing wearing those bright orange earplugs?
0: We actually, we I usually would when we were when we play on stage, but um, oh, because well, practicing. It was still just you know, is spending. I think even without having things be really cranked up, um, I mean, if you're playing guitar, if you're playing like guitar and the kind of like bands we were playing, it, it requires volume. In and, and even if it's you know, even if you're dampening things down you're still you're still regularly hitting up to those levels uh, without yeah. going even to like the insane you know level of a of a uh, of a show
1: yeah absolutely so and i mean rock concerts for example were i think listed uh, coming in between 110 120 dba so yeah. that's quite loud and obviously that's going to cause hearing damage over a long period of time so, in any case, um, Tinnitus, and I've got, again, links in the show notes, have a look if you want to look in depth, but for those that don't have it, that want a description of what it sounds like, is it's it's just like a very faint um, white noise, similar to a TV tuned into a channel that's just static, but with the volume turned right down. It's not loud, it's just, well, I think for some people, perhaps it is loud, but it's when there is quiet, like for example, I've got headphones on when I'm recording this and I can hear it because the headphones are blocking out a lot of the external noise. But it's the sort of thing that when you're concentrating on something else, you don't notice it. It's only when everything is quiet that you then notice it. And for some people, it's maddening. For me, it's just like, okay, it's annoying, but oh well. You, is it like accept, a broadband, like a like a white
0: noise, pink noise, or do you get a tone? It's...
1: it's it's kind of a white noise-ish sort of thing. It's high. It's slightly higher pitch. It's not not a low frequency thing. So it's just like a, a high whining sort of noise. But it's it is very faint, and it's the sort of thing that once you've identified what it is and you can hear it, you can't stop hearing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Right. And if I'm busy and distracted and doing other things or listening to music or whatever I'm doing, then I don't notice it. It's not there. It's not a problem. Right. It's only when I'm. It's really quiet. That it's an issue. And some people with tinnitus say that listening to music, whatever else, because it's sort of, you know, <laughs> for the. It's, it's, I find that ironic. The, the listening to music to drown it out is, in essence, using the thing that gave you the tinnitus. Well, in my case, anyway. The hair of the dog that bit you. <laughs> uh, something like that. Yeah. It's The irony is not lost on me. But in any case, it doesn't affect me that much. And there are people out there, but the, the statistics state that up to 15% of the population is identified as having tinnitus, uh, at, developed tinnitus at some point in their life. And that's a lot of people. And of those, they say one to 2% of that subset, it's uh, so bad that it's, it, it's a considered, a, it's a condition, it's a serious condition that they need to manage somehow. There's no medications for it. There's nothing you can do. You can't just pop a pill and it goes away. There's all sorts of other different... I don't, I don't want to get into the treatment for it. I'm trying to identify this causes for people so that they don't go through that right. and that they can take some kind of active steps to prevent that for them. So, you know, hey, yay, stupid me, I was once and I learned my lesson. Unfortunately, my, I don't get a second set of ears. So anyway, all right, just going to move on then. So, uh, noise sources... Now, most people that are listening to this probably live in a city environment, or if they don't live in a city environment, they may work in a city environment. So I thought it would be worthy, worthy to discuss some noise sources there that a lot of people take for granted or ignore. So the first and I think biggest one in large cities are freeways and People think, oh, yeah, car's noisy, right? It's just like because loud car engines, and certainly there are loud car engines making noise, but it's actually not the the, the engine that's the problem. It's the tires. Yeah, it's the tires. it's, It's the craziest thing. So even driving a Tesla Model S, it's essentially silent, except for wind noise and tire noise. And the funny thing is that you can insulate your car. You can stop the noise from getting into the car by putting layers of soundproofing and so on, and that's what they do. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. But inside the cabin could be whisper quiet, but you don't—you can't shield it as easily on the outside. No one puts an acoustic cover on the car; they just—it's all open, right? So as as the wheels are going and onto the the tarmac, uh, away they are—they're just—they're generating noise, and it, it's just all out there radiating out into the world. So. What's interesting for me, though, is something that I learned a few years ago, is that there's a big difference between asphalt, or otherwise known as bitumen, and concrete surfaces. And concrete, in terms of its durability, is much preferred as a freeway construction material because it is far more robust, lasts a lot longer, maintains its smoothness over a long period of time. Yeah, there are all sorts of pluses. The biggest downsides are it's expensive to do it, uh, but obviously you recoup that cost long-term because it's, you've got less maintenance costs. However, the other one is the noise. Right. And the concrete can be between 4 and 5 dB louder tyre noise for the same vehicle compared to the same vehicle dr- driven on asphalt. bitchman. And that you may say 4 or 5 dB, oh, well, yeah, that's 4 or 5 dB, right? That can make a big difference because the whole inverse square law that we're talking about, sound radiating out as a wave, that can make a big difference. So instead of it being, if you've got a row of houses just next to the freeway, then you know, that sound will not just hit the first two or three rows of houses. That, that will be loud enough to cause issues further back. Like It could be a whole block yeah. back because of the different material for the pavement. So... Yeah, that, that's that's a big issue. And so, of course, to combat this, what they do is they build uh, sound fences. So you'll see typically the, the good ones are made out of concrete, cheaper ones are made out of wood, and the really cheap ones that don't do so great are made out of um, steel or, you know, like corrugated iron or, you know, that's it. And each of them have different sound absorption and reflection properties. The idea is you build a freeway, and these days it 's just a given because most freeways are going in between wherever residential housing is, and that 's where you 'll see the the fencing and that 's designed to stop the noise because otherwise so living in a house next to a freeway um, with cars going by generating you know like ninety five db of noise yeah you know, that's that 's not good so Interestingly, though, as I said, inside the vehicle is a different story. And back in 2011, in uh, Europe, a magazine did a rather interesting test of a bunch of different cars to find out who, which car had the loudest and which car had the quietest internal um, noise levels. So for those people who are fans of, of BMW, congratulations. At 58 dBA, they had the quietest cabin at 100 kilometers an hour, also known as 55 miles an hour, or thereabouts. The loudest car that was not a sports car, I just want to point this out. I, I took cars out of the list that were, not, that were sports cars. I'm like, come on. Right. So not, if, you're buying a, if you're buying a Lamborghini, you know, Aventador, Murcielago, or a Ferrari, whatever, those ones are designed to have a loud engine that sounds that's supposed to melt your heart. And frankly, yeah, I, I kind of I can feel that to a point, but yeah, at the same time, it comes with the noise, <laughs> the noise as well, right? They say, have a noisy engine because it sounds lovely. Oh, by the way, it's loud. Right. Oh yeah. Right, right. Okay. I remember a, a reading that um, in I think it was the the Countach. I think it was it had such poor sound shielding that. People would say that they would drive them with um, earplugs. And the Ferrari F40 uh, or F50, I think it was, the one that was stripped down, you had to wear earplugs in the thing because there was no acoustic shielding. But anyway, so this is the non a sports car. Loudest interior was actually a – I hadn't heard of this one particular one before. It's a Lada Neva 1.7i Hunter, which is a 4x4, 77 DBA in the cabin. Wow. Ouch. Yep. I wouldn't like to be driving in that car. Now, obviously, that's with the windows up, you know, windows down, air turbulence and so on. I don't. I. I, I didn't go to that depth, but I'm sure there's other studies that show you the, the sound difference, having the windows down, windows up and, and, and uh, the air conditioning running and so on. But in any case, the inside of the car, typically you're okay, typically, but some of the cheap, some of the, well, I was going to say cheaper, but some of the, there are louder cars out there. And honestly, you know, I don't understand the need to have a loud engine noise in the cabin. I just don't get it. So anyway, on that sort of vein, what about motorcycles? Because there's actually, I have a couple of mates that ride motorcycles around. And one of the worst offenders are those ones by Harley Davidson. And they specifically design their motors to be loud and their exhausts to be loud. That, that, and That exhaust note is uh, well, not
0: patented. What is it patented?
1: Oh, probably the, they it, have the,
0: it has the um, irregular firing order that's uh, right yep. 30 degrees something like that
1: and, yep that's yep. right yeah it's, a, it's their signature noise right. it's like you hear that putt 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 sound uh, I guess you can tell what I think of it but never mind the point is that yeah, it's very distinctive it's their calling card and it is loud up to 120 decibels I think it is uh, there's a couple of things I've linked to in there it's, it's quite loud So, you don't, if you're going to be, if it's going past you, it'll annoy you, sure. But this is more about if you're riding a motorbike. So, again, a link in the show notes to the effects of noise. If you're wearing a helmet, which of course you should be, and there are also tests done if you weren't wearing a helmet, but I was thinking at the time, how many people in how many countries are illegally allowed to ride a motorbike without a helmet on? And even if they weren't legally allowed to ride a a motorbike without a helmet on, why wouldn't they be wearing a helmet? Just makes me think of you know Lawrence of Arabia, and it's like, yeah, it didn't work out well for him, so no. yeah you know, helmets, please wear helmets when you're wearing a, um you know, riding a motorcycle, everybody, anyhow, okay, so the problem is that if you are riding on them, the variance of how much how long it would take for you to get hearing damage on the loudest motorbike, which I think the loudest one they tested was a Harley, then you'll start to get damage even with a helmet on within sixty seconds you'll get permanent hearing damage within a minute. And if you drive for on a different bike, uh, like they had a, the, there's a BMW in there, there's a Honda in there. So know, yeah, not necessarily sports bikes, but just run of the mill average motorbikes. I'm not a motorbike guy. So, you know, motorbikes. They're loud even when out. you're in neutral.
0: I mean, it's just, you get, yeah. you're getting, I mean, those are noisy tires too. And you, oh, get sure. a, you
1: get a lot of sound on a bike. Absolutely. But I mean, their best case scenario was 45 minutes. And that was on a much quieter bike. Yeah. And yeah, and of course that's driving it at highway speeds and all that other good stuff. So you've got wind noise in the helmet, you've got right. tire noise and you've got engine noise. All that thrown together and oh dear, you should be wearing hearing protection. And uh, a mate of mine uh, did work with uh, on my most recent large project about a year and a bit ago now, actually, uh, time flies. And uh, he would ride his motorbike to and from the pump station when we were doing some programming. And, yeah, he would, he would get off his bike and he'd say, oh, hey, John, how's it going? And I'd be like, hang on, I've got to take my hearing thing out. <laughs> so he was a good boy. You know, he, he wore his inner earplugs and everything. And I, I, after I'd made that mistake a few times, I was sure to wait for him to physically remove the earplugs before I spoke to him because he couldn't hear me. So, yeah, he was smart about it, which is good. So in any case, um, so that's motorbikes. Now, another thing that I wanted to mention, which, you know, is strictly speaking not a hearing damage thing, but I still think it's, it's fascinating, and I, I went through this, and goodness me, this is noise used as a defensive mechanism. In other words, a security system that's designed to incapacitate you using noise. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of these things uh have you watched whale wars I have not they the the
0: Japanese whaling boats put them on their their ship um they can be used as an offensive weapon too not just defensive yeah. you can you sure. can uh it's like you know it's a less than lethal uh weapon it's they're- they're crazy it's just well you can describe it i'm
1: sure well. The situation that I was in is that I was working on a defense project and they take their security very seriously, uh, yeah, rightfully so. And the building that I was in, I hadn't been working there for very long and didn't fully understand all of the rules about evening lockdown. But after five o'clock, what they used to do is they used to change the swipe card access for travel between floors and they would turn it off. So essentially... The way it would work is you had, and this, I guess this is these days, and I say these days, this is over 15 years, about four, 14 years ago now. So back then it was more or less accepted practice that if you didn't take, if you're going one or two floors, you take the stairs. You don't, You don't take the lift, you know, for one or two floors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. But these days they say, you know what, you don't take the stairs at all. The stairs are solely for fire escape purposes only. That's it. But back then, it was still considered standard practice. If you want to skip between one or two floors, you just take the you know, fire stairs. No big deal. And the stairs are such that you don't need a swipe card to get into the stairwell, but you need a swipe card to get out of the stairwell. So hmm. if I was going between two floors, I could open the handle and open the door and walk in, go up and down the flight of stairs as required, swipe my card, and then get in right. to the next floor. Yeah pretty standard stuff. What I didn't realize was that after five o'clock, there was a disabling of that system and they enabled the security system such that if you entered the stairwell, the fire stairwell, then the uh, the sound incapacitation alarm would go off and the stairwell would go into lockdown and would not let you out. Uh, and that was a painful lesson to learn, I must uh, confess. It uh, it was horrible. Uh, 125 dBA, and they, it's a ra- set of rapidly oscillating frequencies. And I was all right, trapped in there for the first minute. It didn't seem to get to me too much, but then you start to feel a little bit disoriented, and uh, you st- I started to feel very nauseous, like I was going to throw up. Mm-hmm. That's what they do, yeah. And by the time uh, the security guard actually was able to release the system, pull me out and scream at me, I <laughs> I really wasn't feeling all that crash hot. I'd broken out in the cold sweat and I felt pretty horrid, pretty wretched. So yeah, just as a side note, um, yeah, if you're ever working in an environment like that, uh, please check the rules between coming <laughs> between floors after hours. Did you but, already yeah, have a- the tinnitus before that? I hadn't noticed the tinnitus at that point, but no, I don't think I can go back and sue the defense department. Interesting oh. idea if that's where you were going. Well, I was just
0: saying.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I of that. I
0: though. never felt... Well, sometimes I'd feel sick after playing guitar, but not for that reason. Okay.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that little um, oh. anecdote there. It was um, quite an unpleasant experience. I'm, well, that's what I'm these, these um,
0: sonic guns, basically, they... You, yeah. you point them in a crowd or whatever, and it, it will make you um, nauseous, like tremendously so, and enough to kind of knock you on your knees. Yeah, that's, that's the it. idea. Yeah,
1: and they say, oh, yeah, no, long-term damage. So like, well, yeah, you hold that on someone for <coughs> you know five minutes, and, yeah, there is actually long-term damage. Right. Anyway, so talked a lot now about all the different sources of noise, and, yeah, there's a lot more. Obviously, if you live near an airport, if you live near a train line if you you know and so on and so forth but by and large that's a lot of the ones that people don't think about that I've mentioned and yes there's more but rather than going about that forever, let's just talk about something a bit more practical, which is the point of the show is I, I wanted some people to walk away from every show where, wherever I can with something practical that they can apply uh, and consider for their, own, for their, for their lives day to day' things that yeah hence the name of the show pragmatic. So I'm trying to to focus on that. So how do you protect your hearing? Well, obviously hearing protection, yeah, but there's multiple kinds. So the obvious cheap ones are the disposable inner ear plugs and they're made of an expanding foam and you just roll them in your fingertips, insert them in your ear and just hold them in there for a second and then they will expand to basically cut off all of the, the, the access ports into your ear canal. And those in-ear earplugs are essentially disposable. And they're disposable because that ability of the foam to be compressed and then expand is diminished with every time you compress it. So if you take them out and then try them again the next day and recompress them and put them in your ear, they won't expand out to right. as full as they were the previous time. They seem like they're a little
0: bit, what, temper- temperature sensitive too, right? It, yes. They'll get really soft
1: and malleable. That's right. And then, in in yeah. hot, hot conditions. yeah, right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So, and a lot of places like those because they are cheap yep. and they're, they're essentially easy to dispense. So, for example, a lot of industrial sites that you go to, you'll walk in the door and as you're going out of the workshop area, there'll be a dispenser. And you can, some of them, you turn the handle at the bottom. Other times, you just pull out a little plastic packet and you open it up and you've got two of these things in there. And, you know, they're, they're cheap. They're cheapest chips. So And they do provide pretty good protection for most uh, most environments. But they are considered entry-level protection, though, for most applications. And uh, they're also discreet. So from a distance, you know, most of them will just poke out of your ears just a little bit. You're not going to see them like you're going to see over ear earmuffs. You can also get reusable ones. And the reusable ones are more like a series of increasing concentric circles or concentric discs if you sort of follow my meaning there's a few links in the show notes so you can have a look at different ones and these ones tend to you know all the usual problems with reusable ones you, you tend to get build up on them they become less effective over a long period of time and you have got hygienic problems i remember you know what is it the uh, well, i've worked at a coal mine for a while and the uh, one of the sparkies had a uh, had these ones he particularly liked, and they 're an unusual color. I think they were blue, sort of a strange blue color and uh yeah that was, it was unusual anyway, it was most of them are orange or yellow, mm-hmm. just yeah but anyway, so and I noticed that the tips of them were coated in black, and it 's not black from the coal dust, it was actually black from the carbon brushes on the uh on the drag lines, so they change out the carbon brushes every so often but that 's the problem is right whenever the machinery is off you don 't have to have them in. And they sort of they drape around your neck. It's right. typically the way you do it through your collar. And as you lean forward, they, if just, there's just enough enough length on that thread, that they actually dangle in whatever you're doing. So it's kind of like the tie clip problem. So there's no earbud clip in this. <laughs> so he's, when you shove that in your ear, of course, you're shoving all that soot into your ear canal. And that's probably not hygienic. In fact, it's definitely not hygienic. So you know, people tend to report from the non-disposable ones, no matter how much they are, essentially in the long-term cheaper, and they can be customized for your ear. They tend to cause hygiene problems longer term. Right. Uh, another interesting one that I've come across just once in real life is something called a Zwizlocki ear muffler. And this one's kind of weird. What it is is it's essentially it goes in your ears like a set of headphones, but it extends the ear canal sort of up the side of the of the support for each of them. Cause it's like I said, a set of headphones over the top of your head, right? Mm-hmm. So it extends the ear canal up the sides and towards the top of the head. And what's weird about that is that it reduces the amount of capture area that the sound waves can travel through. And the way they design the canals, uh, it basically attenuates some of the worst frequencies that can cause the most damage such that you can literally save yourself. Um, you know, you can still talk to people, and hear them clearly, but have the worst frequencies um, attenuated. Right. That's clever. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating idea. I've only ever seen one person wearing them, and my, my first reaction was, What the hell is that you've got on your head?
0: Yeah. It kind of looked like someone are... out of Star Wars.
1: Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, exactly. It does look a bit strange. But, you know, in any case, uh, I've only ever seen them once in, in Scott. Looks like a, a lot of hunters,
0: old. and, and uh, I guess they're popular for, for shooters. I'm looking on Google yeah. image search and half the stuff I'm seeing are guns.
1: It could well be. Yeah. Um, and in, any, in any case, some people call them Zems, but um, in any case, these things are a little bit rare and they're a bit more expensive, but you know, they give you a um, an interesting result. The other most popular kind, and I'm, I'm just c- covering the most popular kinds that I've seen, is the over-ear hearing masks, which of course were the originals. And the thing is that these ones they completely enclose your ears, just like a full over, you know, full enclosed headphones, right? And they provide the best possible protection pretty much over the entire frequency range. But the problem with that is that they're very uncomfortable, especially in hot conditions and long periods of time. And they're also the most expensive. They're also a problem for people like me that wear glasses, because what'll happen is the bands on the side, the supports on your glasses will cause a break in the seal. And you break that seal around the skin and that lets sound in and that reduces their protection rating. So, you know, it's okay if you're wearing contacts, but there are also sites where you have to wear protective safety glasses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go and put on contact lenses and then I ruin it all by putting on safety glasses. So, it's an interesting balance when you're doing personal protective equipment for hearing uh, and when you've got to mix in all the other options as well. So, uh If you have a look at these, uh, each of these are given a rating, and each country rates them differently, but there's essentially three standards. There's the American standard, which is called the uh, NRR, which is the noise reduction rating. Uh, There's a European one and an Australian one. But we'll just focus on NRRs for the moment because you know North American standards is actually quite quite commonly used around the world. It's just that uh, in Australia we've got a, an additional standard. You'll typically see both of them written on the box. So you buy a box of ear ear plugs or a, a set of ear you'll see both the ratings on there. You see the NRR and you'll see the uh, the different rating as well. So there's a good uh, there's a good uh, link in the show notes about that um, if you want to look at the differences and 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 why it is the way it is. So anyway, when you look at the NRRs for the these things it's quite surprising that the earbuds and sorry the ear plugs and the over ear headmuffs appear to be very similar in their ratings what it doesn't give you an appreciation for though is the frequency ranges that they protect you against so for example over ear uh, head, head head ear muffs are going to give you far better protection than lower frequencies and that's because it's blocking out the entire uh, lobe part of the ear whereas the inner ones Will will not block out that direct. They'll block out direct compression, but because your ear lobe is still exposed to the sound, that will conduct some of that sound into the ear canal. Uh, lower frequencies anyway. And when I worked at uh, did some work at a sawmill, and uh, uh, anyway, when they when they went in there, I didn't have over ear headphones, head, head, head uh, ear muffs. Gosh. Hearing protection, you know what I mean. And when I walked onto that site, they said, I'm sorry, that's not acceptable. You have to go and get these specific ones that are rated for these frequencies. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I went and I got some of those and came back because the inner ear ones were simply not acceptable. You can also double up and uh, double your money. And because it's a logarithmic scale, they don't add together. But if you put earbuds and then you put... Uh, then you put the EMS over the top, you will get essentially not quite twice, but you know, you'll get almost twice the level of protection. So instead of blocking out 27, let's say, dB, you'll block out 39, 40 dB. You got to add your logarithms together, but you know, that's high school math. Go and do it if you want. Just trust me. Okay. So finally. My advice is, in my particular use cases where I, when I was younger, I will confess noise-canceling headphones didn't exist really when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. They, they came out shortly thereafter, and they were hideously expensive. And I think Bose, or was it Bose? I think it was Bose, the ones that came out with them originally. I think so.
0: No, I assume. Yeah.
1: If not, they noise cancelling. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah. And the noise-canceling works by... Essentially, listening to the outside noise, shifting it out of phase, and then cancelling it, noise, such that you don't hear it on the inside of the headphones, like an active noise cancelling technology. Right. Very cool stuff. However, it's not cheap. And although it's come down a lot in price, I think there's still several hundred dollars for a pair. But honestly, I think it's money well spent, because either that, or you'll be forced to crank the volume up whenever there's something loud going by and you just won't hear it. You, you just have, you'll have to crank the volume up, or you can't hear it, or you'll have to give up listening to whatever you're trying to listen to. Whereas if you've got noise-canceling headphones, it won't matter. It'll still be a nice, serene, quiet you know, environment inside those, inside those headphones. So that would be my advice if, uh, if you do listen to a lot of music, honestly, uh, or a lot of podcasts or whatever on public transport, that's what I would be doing. And I'm not saying that if you don't do that, that you will get issues with your hearing later on. Obviously, if you're careful how loud it is, then that's, that's one thing. But in my particular case, I wish I had taken more care when I was younger, when it made it, when, yeah, when that damage was being
0: done. If you want to talk more about this, you can find John on Twitter at John Chidgy. Same on app.net. And you should check out John's site, TechDistortion.com If you'd like to send an email, you can send it to John at TechDistortion.com I'm Ben Alexander, and you can reach me on Twitter at FiatLuxFM You can also follow Pragmatic Show on Twitter to see show announcements and other related materials We'll be putting up that poll on the website, and we'll be tweeting links to it as well We can talk about um, the conversions and whether or not you guys want to do a live show
1: I think that's it. Is that it, John? I think that is. I'd just like to say a final thank you to all the feedback we've been getting. It's been fantastic. Uh, Keep it coming, and um, I'm just glad that everyone's enjoying it. So thank you so much for listening. All right. Take care. You too.